there. Welcome to the Snakebird Podcast. My name's Josh. And I'm Steve. Together, we invite you to join us as we explore the mysteries of Scripture, the realm of God, and freedom through Christ. So spread out your wings. And slither in place. Because this is Snakebird. Hey, welcome listeners to another episode of the Snakebird Podcast. Today, we're focusing on discussing gatekeepers, door greeters, and something that you might have heard of, cancel culture, but more with the biblical tilt. Yeah, this is one of those episodes where we're going to be merging several ideas that need special attention and context. Um, Because even though they were a thing in biblical times, they've escalated a ton to our present day. So in typical snakebird fashion, Josh and I feel that we really need to address gatekeepers, door greeters, and cancel culture. And you might be asking, what are those things? And as we go along, we're definitely going to define them, even though, unfortunately, cancel culture is probably the most defined thing out of all of them because of the modern age. But um, since we're starting with that, why don't we talk about gatekeepers and what we mean by that, what the definition of that is? Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, what I think of right off the bat is Pharisees yeah. when I hear gatekeepers. You're right um, on the button there. Yeah. In Matthew 23, 13, it says, Jesus speaking, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. Ooh. Yeah. And then, I mean, they were hindering people from going to heaven. Yeah, John twelve forty two says, Many of the rulers believed in him, speaking of Jesus, but because of the Pharisees, they were not confessing him for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. So, I mean, that's a gatekeeper. Right there. Yeah. I I have another reference for myself from Matthew 23, talking about how they would not only guard the gate and keep people out, but then they were hypocrites about it. Mm-hmm. That Jesus went so far as to saying, you'll strain your water so you won't accidentally swallow a gnat, but you'll swallow a camel. Oh, <laughs> uh, Yeah. I wonder how many people chuckled when he said that. I Probably a lot. Because it was a hit. Yeah, that that's a mic drop um, in your face yeah. kind of saying. Yeah, for sure. And that was what led them to hate him all the more. Yeah. Okay, so we've given some, some definition. We've talked about some verses that refer to that. Let's just... Let's just talk it out. Like, let's say, let's lay that out. What does that look like even in modern times? Well, um, some of the characteristics of a gatekeeper is they like to be in control of other people. Yes. Um, that is appealing to them, which is, that's the whole reason that Pharisees were referred to as gatekeepers. We see that right there. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was not just Pharisees. Uh, take a look at the gatekeepers that emerged around the third and fourth century AD. No. That, I mean, the merging of church and state yeah. to control the masses, which, you know, eventually led to the Crusades. Yeah. So, I mean, it can lead, it can, it can get a hold of anybody individually, but man, if you let it get to, to that point, it led to some bad things. Did you say Spanish Inquisition? Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. It gets gnarly. And then even think about people not getting their hands on God's word, where it was like, you don't have the ability to understand what it says. Exactly. Yeah. They, they even basically kept God's word from the people so that they could, they could even control Lord what it, it over. said. Yeah. yeah. People didn't even, even know because they had control of God's word. Yeah. A few episodes ago, you mentioned the Nicolaitans. Yep. And this is right up their alley. Yeah, that's true. So, One of the things that breaks my heart most about gatekeepers is typically 
it starts from a right place and then it just morphs and escalates beyond what they can control yeah. because they want to control. Yeah. I, I think of um, what, what started out as Ten Commandments and then eventually uh, morphed into the Talmud of 613 rules. Yeah. It, that's what people do, isn't it? Yeah. We, we take something that God has established and then we start to put our own spin on it. Yeah. And, you know, even the Pharisees started off as a good thing. Yes. Or as a good thing. They were called the separated ones. Mm-hmm. They, they were doing that in pure motives at first. Yeah. They just lost the plot. Yeah. And, and <laughs> the saddest thing to me is that now the fulfillment of the law not the one who says I'm going to do away with it, but the one who says I came to fulfill it down to the, the jot and tittle. Everything about it is standing in front of them and they are breathing hate through their teeth. They're clenching their fists at him. Yeah. Yeah, it's sad. And, but that's what gatekeeping does. Yeah. They come and people want to get to Jesus and they want to be part of the church. And they're saying, because of this, I'm going to throw you out of the church. Yeah. And you know, another interesting thing um, that I saw a characteristic of a gatekeeper is um, in Matthew 23, 23, I see that they hide behind their generosity Mm. at times. It says, woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices and mint, dill and cumin. Basically, that would be our paychecks. Yes. You know, (laughs) but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy and faithfulness. And that was really interesting to me because this is someone who feels that their tithe is an excuse to neglect the things that they should be giving attention to. And so that was an interesting characteristic. When you think about Pharisees, if we were to equate them to what they would um, be today, Mm -hmm. they're pastors. Yeah, very well, yeah. Which means they should have compassionate hearts. They should be... um, going to the nth degree to reach people and to welcome them into the kingdom. And yet if they didn't measure up to their standards, not even biblical standards, but their standards, then they shunned people directly. And that's a sad thing because anytime uh, it could be church leaders too, you know, any, anybody in the church that has a position where people are looking, you know, up to them for advice, counsel or anything, there's the temptation to kind of sink into what the Pharisees did. They were scared to lose their position, the way people looked at them. Yeah, the Gospels even say that they delivered Jesus up to death mm-hmm. because of they were they were envious of him. Yeah. Because of their envy. They I mean, and that's a scary place to be to 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 put your salvation in jeopardy because you like the light that you're in, mm-hmm. you know, the appearance or the title that's, and that's where gatekeeping, gatekeeping leads. Yeah. And we're bagging on Pharisees. Yeah. And we don't want to say that every Pharisee was like that because you have guys like Nicodemus. That is true. Or, uh, Joseph Arimathea, who was part of the Sanhedrin, you know, not every single learned person was yeah. a, a hypocrite or a Pharisee, but, Unfortunately, what started as such a great um, realization became such a bad moniker. That's true, and it's it's just not it's not us just saying you know we're holier than thou, and we're, we're glad we're not like Pharisees here because yeah. we all have a tendency to fall into these 
these tempting thoughts to sink into these ruts. But the reason that we bring it up is so that we can, you know, nip it at the root before it grows. Yeah. I mean, I grew up a Pharisee. Yeah, I did too. I mean, in the worst of ways, because I don't know if there's a good way to be like a modern day Pharisee hypocrite who says, I'm better than you because of this, this, and this. It's just, it's an ugly thing. And especially when you finally see it in yourself, then you're very convicted you know, and you have to deal with it. And, and it even has roots and tendencies to try to come back. Yeah. We, yeah, we all have to just be careful that it doesn't grow into a lifestyle because mm-hmm. we all get tempted with it. It's that leaning into it and letting it grow. Yeah. And not realizing that the foot of the, the ground at the foot of the cross is level. And that we're all bad and none of us have a special connection to God and and he doesn't love any of us more than he loves someone else because of what we've done. That is such a dangerous doctrine. It's really poisonous in our minds and our hearts. That's so true. So we have to be on a lookout for it. Yeah. I, I can imagine so many examples of modern day Pharisee of people who come to church and you're like, well, you're not wearing the right type of clothes, so be gone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We put we put things in a box so often. Yeah. If you don't look the part, if you don't say the right Christianese. Yeah. Know. If you don't have the same even set of beliefs that I do. Yeah. If you don't, you know, call me by my title before my name. Ooh. You know, there's I've had some people that call you call me pastor or something. Yeah. You know. That's a scary thought. And, yeah. and you don't want to disrespect someone, no. but... That shouldn't be yeah, true. Yeah. It shouldn't hang on that. Yeah. Yeah. The worst thing that I think God just laments is people who quench the fire of others. Even when it's so much better to correct somebody who's off base than just to stomp on them mm-hmm. and to lovingly come alongside them and, you know, and allow God to be bigger. Yeah. You know, God is bigger than people's little issues. Yeah. And, and and that's what he calls us to be. I mean, we're not called to be gatekeepers. No. We're called to be door greeters. Yeah. Which is what kind of how this is set up. That's it's a great segue. <laughs> in contrast yeah. to uh, now that we've gotten the dark part out of the way. Yeah. Let's let's look at how we should be. Yeah, the opposite. Mm-hmm. Um okay, what's a door greeter? <sighs> a door greeter. You know, I'm going to go back to ground zero with this. Okay. Um, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus says, and I'm just going to go ahead and read this. Yeah. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. When Jesus gave this commission... It was meant for every believer in him. And nothing has changed since that commission. We as believers are supposed to find our place in this movement toward God and being a door greeter, which is, you know, honestly, our cheesy way of titling something. Yeah. But being that is is figuring out how we personally are revealing the gospel to the lost. Mm -hmm. And it can be something simple, can it? Yes. It doesn't have to be being a pastor or anything like that. Yeah. What I love is like even Peter uh, says that you are a living stone. You're a you're a testimony of God. No matter what uh, occupation you have, yeah. no matter how you serve, you radiate 
the gospel. And, and uh, you know, Francis of Assisi said, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. Oh, yeah, I've heard that. You, and, you know, there, here's an interesting way you can be a door greeter. You can be a literal door greeter. Yeah, <laughs> you, know, you can. That first interaction with someone who's never gone to church before, and you're that first yeah. face they see. Yeah, I kind of think like Ananias did for Paul in Acts nine. Yes, that first face, mm-hmm. you know, that that welcomes you into, you know, the interaction with God. Yeah, and I I'll take another example out of Acts. Barnabas, the son of encouragement, yeah. who when all the Jews rejected Paul, kind of freaked out that he had been converted. Barnabas was the one that went and got him and said, "Hey, let's get you involved. Let's let's um, let's get you trained up." Yeah. And if you didn't have a Barnabas, then you might not have a a Paul in the general sense that the the power Paul. You know. That's true. <laughs> we looked in our last uh, profile with Apollos, Priscilla and Aquila. Mm-hmm. They were basically door greeters for uh, for Apollos, a husband and wife team. Yeah. Okay, so we had gatekeepers, so we wanted to contrast it with your greeters. Mm-hmm. Another way I like to say it is ambassador. Yeah, that's that is a good way because you know, um, <laughs> we don't want to like do the opposite of ambassador of like <laughs> death threatener, you know, or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> um, but ambassador is somebody who says, "Hey, I have this country. I'm part of. I'm a citizen of, and I'm actually offering you citizenship." And yeah, you know, it's a representative. Yes. Going out and saying, come and see my culture. Come and see what I'm offering. It's part of being an imager of God. Yes. His representative here on earth. And, um, you know, I I hear people a lot of times kind of make the the false assumption that there's the God of the Old Testament and the Mm. God of the New Testament. But at this point, I would like to point out that God's heart in this topic goes all the way back to the Old Testament. Mm. I think of Leviticus 19.34. It says, The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt. Mm. You know, part of being a door greeter is how you treat strangers. Yes. And so God's heart has always been to be our cheesy title door greeter. Yeah. It really has been. Well, even the whole love your neighbor as you love yourself and then they ask, well, who's our neighbor? And Jesus says, well, let me follow this up with a little story. Yeah. And he talks about the Good Samaritan. And the sad thing was, is there were three people that passed that injured man on the road. Do you remember who the first two were? A priest and a Levite. Yeah. Supposed to be the pastors, supposed to be the men of God who would have taken care of someone. And yet it ended up being the Samaritan who said, I'm going to pick you up and bandage your wounds and and get you um, healing and and actually pay for your room as you recover such a neat story it really is and i think it's it was such a clever example that jesus used to show how the gentiles and jews he wants us all yeah and i just you said earlier i would have loved to have seen their faces or you know that's another one of those stories where you're like walking around picking up the the jaws that have dropped from people going oh my gosh you just said these Samaritans, these these what we in our culture would consider dogs, you just said they're our neighbors, and and he even showed kindness above what we did. Yeah, what that's the best true. of our best would have done. Yeah, and that's what we're called to be. Mm-hmm. You know, I think about um, just a modern example. I think about somebody who got saved, 
and they'd gotten saved like a couple days before and they came along and they were like, man, Jesus is blanking awesome. And they said a bad word, you know, and the Pharisee in me wanted to be like, get out, you're done here. You know, (laughs) and like, that's the thing is I wanted to be like, but no, the door greeter, the ambassador comes alongside and says, you know what? He is awesome. And then not, and in the spirit of, of snake birdiness, trying to have that, that wisdom and discernment to say, Hey, you know, because it's not up to us to be somebody's Holy Spirit. Yeah. But, but to be someone who comes alongside yeah, and and explain why that might make someone else stumble Yes, and 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 it shouldn't be of coming out of our mouth. Yeah. And and the neat thing is God is God and and he can direct somebody's heart. And, you know, he's the one that convicts people of sin and he's the one that convinces us, you know, because that's what the Pharisees were so known for is they pointed everybody's sin out in their lives while they ignored their own. That's so true. A lot of times there's been people in the past that I'm like, man, a Christian shouldn't act like that. Uh And I judge them in my heart. And then later I find that God in his perfect timing through the Holy Spirit showed him, showed those people, those things. They cleared them up in the natural process and they changed. Yeah. And I, next time I saw him, was still judgmental, you know? <laughs> and then I, and I recognized it and I'm like, wow, you know, I should just let God do that. Mm-hmm. You know, and snake bird, we keep mentioning it because there is times that you got to come alongside and mention something, but there's other times that you got to say, you know what? Mm-hmm. God's Holy Spirit's going to do this a lot better. And you can kind of feel those hunches in the yeah. spirit where he's saying, go for it. And you, I'm not sure how they're going to take this. It's time or it's not time. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Another aspect of a door greeter I think of is, and it didn't work out very well, but like Noah and Jesus using even the example of Noah of saying, Hey, it's, it's happening. The ark is closing. Get in the boat. Come with me. Yeah. You know, there's room. And, and that's what we have this opportunity as of right now saying, Hey, this world is falling apart. You know, and we realize that there is a polarization happening where either people are running towards Jesus or they're running far away from it. And we have that opportunity to say the road to destruction is wide, but narrow is the path that leads to heaven. And we're inviting you to come along with us on this journey. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. Have you ever heard of the term quench the spirit? I have, yeah. So I just was thinking in terms of like comparison and contrast between gatekeepers and door graders. And I think of how many times people have just seen a little bit of fire in someone. And because it wasn't the way they wanted it to be, they just stamped that out. Yeah. Versus what we would be if we're trying to be door greeters is somebody who fans that flame, somebody who adds feel to that fire through the word of God. Yeah. You know, even, um, Paul told Timothy, don't, don't forget to fan the flame of what you first heard of your excitement, you know, let that grow. Yeah. And, you know, I think Paul also mentioned to Timothy too, that don't, don't let their faces discourage you. He was, Mm. I think it's almost this idea that he knew there was going to be people that saw he was young, that saw, you know, things that didn't fit in their box of worship that Mm -hmm. they kind of created. Yeah. And that's, that's very important. Paul told Timothy, you know, don't let, don't let them drag you down because you've got God at your back. Yeah. And, and if you need to grow in certain areas, in certain ways, God will do that. Yeah. But don't get discouraged because there is, there's, there's going to be, 
people unknowingly being gatekeepers mm-hmm. that come along and it does quench. Well, you just made me think of the term abide in grace. Mm. You know, and we don't want cheap grace. We don't want to say that, oh, God just looks past your sin and he just, he, you know, he accepts every lifestyle, whether it's um, repentant and submitted to him or not. That's not what we're saying. But abiding in grace is not living to the letter of the law, you know, saying, well, you can't heal on the Sabbath, Jesus, where Jesus is, I end the Sabbath. Yeah. Or where it's saying, you know, your disciples shouldn't be doing this. You know, they're not washing their hands. And he goes, you're washing your hands in this ceremonial way, but you don't realize that on the inside, you are disgusting. You're a crypt. You know, that was what he was saying about them being like crypt keepers. Yeah. You you said something that I just remembered. I'm kind of a modern day Pharisee on. <laughs> okay. I'll give an example. Um, there's that new worship song out that it's like, um, raise a hallelujah, uh-huh. you know, and, and at first I was so like against it. Cause I'm like, it talks about us a lot and it's all about our perspective. And then yeah. it doesn't really say much about Jesus. And I was really eh, to the letter of the law against it. And then I remember hearing a pastor who I really respect saying, Hey, if it, if it leads people to the kingdom and into the throne room to worship, then what's wrong with it? And like instant conviction and instant like, oh, man, there I go, you know. Well, it's hard because we're all wired so differently. But yet we're the same in Christ, too. You know, we have all things in common, yet we're so different. Yeah. And so for some people that it looks a little different how you get there. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. Before we move on with... um, between gatekeepers and door greeters and move on to our last and kind of final part of the discussion. I want to ask, is there any way that we can kind of lean into being a door greeter versus a gatekeeper? Is there any wisdom that we can use that kind of just checks our heart on what we're, where we're at? Um, the scripture comes to mind. Uh, don't have the address cause I wasn't ready for that, Josh. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> but, uh, no, seriously. Um, Pick up your cross daily. Yes. Just waking up every day knowing that his mercies are new every morning. Mm. And regardless of what's happened yesterday and the things that you're, the ruts you tend to fall into, Mm -hmm. just constantly coming to God for your daily bread and starting your day off just, Lord, I know I'm going to, I have a tendency to fall in this way, to lean this direction. Give me the wisdom today. Give me, and and, and get in his word, even if it's just a little bit, Mm -hmm. and just start your day off right, um, asking God to help you do that. Yeah. I think that is excellent. I think another one is the chapter that gets read at every single wedding ceremony uh, is 1 Corinthians 13. You talk about love. Love one another like Jesus commanded us to. Love conquers all things. Love endures all things. Love hopes all things. You know, when you love someone, you're not as concerned about their actions versus what God did for them and and how he loved them. And when you look at them through the lens of a savior and you're not so focused on your actions compared to theirs, a lot of that melts away. That's so true. I mean... Love sums it up, doesn't it? It does. And it's not like, it's agape love. It's not, I love ice cream love. It's agape love. It's unconditional. Yeah. Well, those those are the same for me. Oh. 
<laughs> Rocky Road, you're my jam. <laughs> Mint chocolate chip, yes, uh, ma'am. But oh, on okay, a serious note, to, that, that's Ryan, not yeah. the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, man. Unconditional love. Yeah, that's true. So strive, snake birds, to be a door greeter and not a gatekeeper. Check your heart daily. I, I, we do as well. We have to as well. Yeah. Because falling into being a modern day Pharisee is so easy. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't let that air of judgment um, come out of you. Yeah, I've I've heard it said before, and it it might sound a little cliche-y, but uh, take an inventory of mm-hmm. your heart. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, think about what that's actually saying. Take an yeah. inventory of your heart yeah. and ask God to fill in where you fail. When it comes to the disciples, be one and make some, because that's what the Great Commission is all about. And that's being a door greeter. Yeah, not a gatekeeper. No, exactly. Okay, this is the most modern topic we'll probably ever talk about. And <laughs> like, not even modern topic, but the most um, 2019 uh, worded phrase we'll ever say is cancel culture. Yeah. Because it is a topic that's very popular right now and it needs to be addressed from that biblical standpoint. Um, do you have a definition or what you understand as being cancel culture? Cancel culture. Um, it would be the concept of blowing up someone's life and destroying all that they've done based on some offense that they've caused. Yeah. And okay. So that's a great definition. I was thinking of some of the modern day examples we can give, um, like Kevin Spacey, who did something horrific. Mm-hmm. And now he's kind of gone to the wayside, which is probably the right thing to happen. And then Harvey Weinstein, again, just atrocious. Um, Kevin Hart had something come out and he ended up not um, hosting the Oscars because of it. And then Louis C.K., whose career after these allegations fell apart. And and I do not want to say that the punishment doesn't fit the crime, because in some cases it really does. But I also want to look at it from... A biblical standpoint, and then yeah. we need to understand what that means for us culturally and how it works. Yeah. You know, cancel culture is really, it's become a disturbing part of society today. Um, like you said, some of these people might have deserved a punishment for what they did, but like we saw a lot of things come out with like the hashtag Me Too and all of that stuff. But I'd like to point out that people have always shunned those for various reasons, but nowadays with the internet, social media, entire television, and news segments who are dedicated to molding the public mind into one mass box of thinking, the stage, from my point of view, is really being set in a prophetic way. Oh, wow. Um, I, I'm going to go down a, a little disclaimer here, a rabbit hole, <laughs> okay. as I like to call them. Yeah. But... Uh, just to to throw out what Josh said about modern context, I'm going to go back to the 1960s here. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so I just want to mention this because I think it ties in. Um, in the 1960s, um, there was a presidential election between Nixon and Kennedy, and this was the very first televised debate. Um, and they discovered something very interesting. They discovered that that they can manipulate the masses and what they decided to do in choosing a president based on appearances, camera angles, all sorts of shallow observations, really. And they could actually manipulate people into a unified movement. Wow. 
And the main reason I bring all this up is because cancel culture is a part of that. Mm -hmm. Um, When we start to bend toward worldly thinking, we start to integrate into their system. And Christians are not a part of that mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, as Paul states in 1 Corinthians 2.16, we have the mind of Christ. It's it's not a part of the hive mentality of what we see in cancel culture. And it it's, it's very prophetic from my standpoint to see this hive mentality of thinking in a certain unified way, the, the way the world goes. Mm-hmm. So that was something that I noticed that was very interesting to me. Yeah, I- Okay, so you reminded me as you were talking about um, James Gunn. James Gunn is a director who's worked with Marvel films. He directed the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. And uh, after he directed his second one, some people had gone in and looked at tweets that he'd made from almost a decade ago where he said some pretty um, crass or just bad jokes. And because of that, Disney said, you know what? We're going to cut ties with him. And they fired him. And he'd already apologized. He'd already kind of um, got and met together with the people that he offended through those jokes. And, you know, after um, a series of events, Disney um, relented and decided to hire him back. So he's back. But all of that came about because of something that he did in the past. And so for me, the discussion is more, again, to a spiritual um, side of things is talking about what do we do when a Christian screws up? What do we do when a pastor makes a mistake? And how does that play into natural consequences versus church versus like, do they, do they get to come back to that place? Yeah. Well, this would be, this would be that middle ground, wouldn't it, between gatekeeper and door greeter? It, it is. Because that's what cancel culture, you know, can lead to if, exactly. you, if you don't find that middle ground. Yeah, shutting the door or kicking it wide open. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a verse for that that I found. Um, Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. And so, I mean, that's that's a good template for mm-hmm. starters right there. I mean, we're not supposed to cancel them out. Yeah. We're not supposed to do that. I uh, I want to share real quick. I, I came to a, an instance where this came into play once. I, I was seeking some advice from someone I looked up to uh, spiritually, and a good friend of mine was struggling with a certain type of sin, and I was asking uh, how I should go about it. And they said, you know, restoring them. And they said, don't have anything to do with them. Mm. And I said, that's not biblical. And I said, we're supposed to, you know, be there for those who are struggling. And he said, not sin like that. Wow. And I, it completely made me kind of rethink who you seek advice from because... Yeah. That's not how we're supposed to treat our brothers who fall. We're supposed to come alongside them. And, I mean, it laid it out there. Watch out mm-hmm. so that you don't fall. But we're supposed to come alongside them in gentleness. Um, what do you think about that, Josh? Well, you know, one of the things that I have observed over my years of church and Christianity is that when someone in the Christian faith screws up and they're wounded— you know what we do? We treat them like a horse and we just shoot them. You know, That's true. It's, we, we're like, let's put them out of their misery. And 
it's it really comes down and i know this sounds so blasé but it's a case-by-case basis it really is that's true and the thing i i hate about cancel culture is um i heard it said once that we often judge others by their actions but ourselves on our intentions Mm. and the truth of the matter is um the more fingers we can point at someone else uh, publicly the less attention is on us and the truth of the matter is we're all struggling um i even heard it said this morning a lot of us will um will wear masks and we're all dealing with something yeah that's so true i mean again gatekeeper we're so prone to judge as door greeter you know we want to love like jesus so for the sake of discussion let me ask you this um and this comes down from um a a friend who's really close who has gotten a divorce he said that lately he and um now he's remarried and they're very happy and they're walking with jesus he said that the church that they're in um the pastor has been divorced and he felt like God led them there because the pastor who's been divorced has the ability to help speak into their relationship. What do you think about that? Oh, you know, that kind of what you said, case by case type of deal, yeah. because I think I think there's certain things that if someone who's been entrusted to be a shepherd of a congregation does, goes to a certain extent, I, I can't say that I've landed on a defined a definite answer on whether they should be allowed to come back to the ministry or mm-hmm. not and be in charge of people again to a certain extent uh, that I hope that doesn't sound like I'm I'm saying well you should shun this man you know that's that's not <laughs> no. what I'm saying but yeah. there are some scriptures that address that and I don't think I have landed on a definite stance on whether they're allowed to become a leader of many again in in the congregation. Yeah. Uh, I don't know the answer to that one. I don't either. I feel the same way. And I, I remember, um, you know, when I was leading worship at a a church that we had something happen to where, um, we told a person that, Hey, you know, taking a step back from, from, um, stage ministry is a good idea at this point because of, we don't want people to stumble based on what they see in your life. Yeah. And and that was a very difficult conversation to have and it didn't really go that well. And yeah. you know, the term that we use was natural consequences and and it's just like, listen, you know, um when King Saul was making mistakes, God was like, you know, we're not gonna we're not gonna abide with you in this. You yeah. know? And so I don't think your past should define you, but the neat thing is that God never cancels anyone. Let's just say that. Yeah, that's you know, true. Cancel culture doesn't exist, quote unquote, in the Bible. And we have to be wise, obviously. If somebody has had a terrible, um, a terrible problem with running around with a girl, with girls, and being promiscuous in the past, but they're on a road trying to trying to fix that in their life, you don't put them in charge of counseling women. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we, we use wisdom, but we do not shun that person and say, God's done with you. No. We have to come alongside, but at the same time, use wisdom. Yeah. So, you know, you have to look, like you said, Josh, case by case, but yeah. always with grace and coming alongside. Well, and then this goes back to, and this is just a, one of those out there questions is like, let's say Jeffrey Dahmer oh, on wow. his deathbed. Yeah. 
if you know some people have said that he prayed to receive Jesus mm-hmm. you know and there are people who emphatically say well he shouldn't get salvation you know because again you're saying look at all that he's done yeah but the truth is, is and if we believe scripture to to exactly what it means then his sin and my sin are the same. Well, and you know, Jesus actually addressed that exact situation about the workers that went out to work for mm-hmm. an agreed wage. Mm-hmm. And the people that came late in the day said, we want to go out. He paid them the same as the people who had been there all day. Yeah. And they were like, that's not fair. And he was like, it, it is what I'm going to do. It's what I say is fair. It's what it, I, yeah. yeah. And, and it's not, it, it would be different if the people went out there and didn't work. Mm-hmm. But but they all came at different, they, they got started at different times. But Jesus is just, God is just and yeah. faithful to give us salvation if we come to that point. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and that brings us to what may be another podcast that we do about um, rewards in heaven and and not levels yeah. of heaven, but... But levels of heaven. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I don't know how to say it without sounding like total heretics. But um, but no, there's there's a dichotomy there, kind of a... Uh, that might not be the right word, but yeah, there's there's something to that. There's an argument for it. There's a basis of argument for it. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll we'll hash that out in yeah. the in the coming let's years. Let's just go, let's go there now. Yeah, <laughs> no, just open your Bibles to First Corinthians chapter three. What uh, I had prepped. Yeah. Um, so sin is sin. You know, God recognizes that my sin is, and that's why forgiveness is so beautiful, and that's why we're not good judges of that, and that's why He is the ultimate. Um, inviter. That's why he extended his mercy towards us. And that's why yeah. it's good that I'm not God, yeah. you know, driving along and somebody cuts me off and I'm like, you're out, you, you know. know? <laughs> and I also think of, you know, to one who has been forgiven much, they are also thankful much because we know, we oh. know how far we've fallen. Um. And when we recognize the weight of that forgiveness and what Jesus did on that cross, how that all comes together, yeah. it does something inside of you. You don't don't look at other people as worse than you anymore. Yeah. Well, we went through this whole thing and we didn't even talk about the prodigal son. Oh, yeah. And yeah. that is such an epic story to prove gatekeeper, door greeter, you know, because you have the younger brother who's basically tells his dad, I wish you were dead. Give me my money. I don't want to live under your system anymore and goes off and lives like hell you know, and basically squanders everything that he's been given until he realizes and he comes to himself and says, I just want to be a servant in my father's household because even the servants have a better life than I do. And when he goes back, his father runs to him and accepts him with open arms and then not only receives him, but doesn't chastise him and doesn't hate on him and gatekeep him. He door greets him and he, and he says, we're going to have a party. Yeah. But there's a second prodigal in the mix, mm-hmm. the older brother. Yeah. The one who this whole time doesn't realize that he is the modern day. He's the representation of the Pharisees going, I hate him. I've always hated him. And I hate you, dad, because you've never done anything for me. But think also of what was going on in his mind, too, because oh. he was like, I've been here. I've yeah. been here the whole time. I've been doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I never even got a goat. Yeah. <laughs> That's a terrible thing to say. Yeah. You know? But I can also see where he's coming from, mm-hmm. honestly. 
I, yeah. I can see where he's where those emotions come in yeah. because I think we all have that tendency in us to say we look at something that's going on with someone else and we're like I've been doing this all along why what you know so we can yeah. see oh, no. both sides of the that's coin. the Pharisee heart in me if I'm not careful yeah did you know that the like modern authors have said if the story was conti- to continue then the older brother actually went out and beat his father to death because of the anger that he felt. I have not heard that. I, I know it's a lot of speculation and supposition, but yeah. I mean, Jesus, the the things that I've heard about the, the, the parable of the prodigal son is that authors have called it the best, the greatest story ever told because of the way that it was structured and the way that it took you by surprise and the, the yeah. paint, the, the, the vivid paint uh, or picture that it painted. Well, knowing Jesus, that doesn't surprise me. No. <laughs> he knew how to do that. Well, and that's essentially what they did. The yeah. Pharisees continued on and they went and they killed God yeah. on a cross. That's true. And so, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, we look at the younger brother and we go, I can't believe he did that. He told his father he was, you yeah. know, he wanted him dead and he went on and he slept with prostitutes and he did all these things and he squandered all of his wealth and yet... We're sitting there and God's like, hey, I showed you another person that might be you in this story. Yeah, and it hits home. True. I mean, take that all the way back with the Jews and the Gentiles. The Jews lived this law throughout uh-huh. the ages. Yeah. And the Gentiles were out there, those <laughs> pagans. And <laughs> Molech worship and heathens. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's, I mean, that story parallels so many, I mean, in an individual way, yeah. in a national way, yeah. in a, Jesus, man, he's so good. He is. God is so smart. You can't he's, make that stuff up. You can't. And yet, ultimate door greeter is yep. Jesus. The ultimate one who says, I am the door. Yeah. Come to me. I'm the, He's the, the only shepherd. one allowed to be a gatekeeper. Yeah. <laughs> and exactly. he is much better at it than the Pharisees yes, were. Yes, <laughs> exactly. So yeah. I hope we've I hope we've shined some light. I mean, you know, the last thing I'll say is whether people can be restored to a position of leadership or not, that that's really up to God. You know, I I saw in Second Corinthians where Paul says, um, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified? And so, you know, we want to make sure that we don't get disqualified from serving or doing things. And and even James says this in chapter 5. It says, Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. When we see those out there that have fallen, don't cancel them. Don't close the book on them. Don't give up on them restore them go after them yeah while we often have to even expose evil that we see don't ever let that take you to a point where you're shunning people at the gate of heaven saying you can't make it in because we are all on this path we are all struggling with something and we all need the forgiveness of christ yes and to remind each other of that and hold each other accountable but not be a gatekeeper. You don't hold judgment. God does. Yeah. 
And you know what? You're I've found because I've been all of these things. I've been a gatekeeper. I've been a door greeter, mm-hmm. and I've been a, a canceller. You know, <laughs> and and I'm I'm most happy when I'm a door greeter mm-hmm. because that's what we're called to be. Yeah. Amen. Amen. That's it. I hope we covered it all. I know that we might get some feedback saying we missed some things or we said some things wrong, and that's okay because that's what the part of the dialogue is. And so we encourage you out there that if you would like to respond to us, if you've seen an issue where somebody has been a gatekeeper or somebody is um, becoming a door greeter or ways to become a door greeter, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, absolutely. And um, if this topic and this uh, podcast has benefited you, please um, share us with your friends and family in another way that can get us out there uh, to spreading the gospel to other people is give us a good rating also. Yes. That'll help That'll help the uh, Snakebird podcast get to more people. Yeah, subscribe, share, rate us. That would be awesome. Um, whatever you can do to say, hey, check these guys out. And then um, give us your feedback. You know, send in your comments, send in uh, prayer requests, or send in your story because everybody's story is important. Yeah, I'm just as excited uh, talking to you guys on Facebook and hearing from you on email. We want this to be a dialogue, so we encourage that. Yeah, go to our website. It's beasnakebird.com. You can connect with us there. You can. There's a link to our email. There's a link to our Facebook. And um, that would be excelente. There it is. So always remember, whatever you do, wherever you go, no matter what life throws at you, there's never been a better time to follow the words of Jesus and be a a snake snake bird. bird.